Hi, everybody. We're back on Equal Time Soccer. This is the Summer League show. It's raining out, but we brought the summer out because that's what we're excited about. This summer, we have WPSL. We have uh, the W League starting up. So I'm going to do a couple quick hits before we get to our featured guest, which I'm very excited about. A couple of Summer League hits. Salvo and NTA, uh, the Thunder. I've been announcing a lot of the players for their squads. We've seen a lot of Gophers, a lot of former Gophers. Um, those teams are limited to five from each D1 school, so they're stocking up on that. Mankato continues to field a very Mankato State-filled roster. Um, Sioux Falls City is a team that's joining in South Dakota into the Minnesota, basically the Minnesota Conference. And they've signed a lot of players who are from South Dakota, which is exciting to see You know that state have the opportunity to, to step up. And they're also pulling some players from the Twin Cities and St. Thomas. And they will open up, actually, the WPSL season for the local area, May 21st at Joy Athletic, which is at St. Louis Park High School. Um, Manitou FC joined WPSL this year. They're formerly White Bear Soccer Club. And they are coached by former Minnesota Thunder and United player Brian Coleman, which is kind of cool. Joy Athletic joined WPSL as well. And their coach is Eddie Burrow, who also happened to play for the Thunder. And I'm not sure if he creeped up into the United years. Um, and of course, Minnesota Aurora, who we'll be talking about today for their W League season, is filling out their roster. They signed triplets yesterday, um, which I think people just you just don't see that a lot. Um, they have about 22, 23 players signed. So it's looking like Aurora is probably close to um, to filling that roster out fully. want to give a shout out to Green Bay Glory. Um, they have just been top notch with great announcement videos for their coaches who are really exciting former pros and women who in the game. Um, they've announced, you know, they have kits that are really cool and they have interesting colors and you can buy the kits on their website. They have lots of things posted about schedule. And so shout out to Greenblade Glory. You are making it easy to follow one of the conference rivals. So thank you. And also the W League announced for Aurora that they, the playoff structure, which will take place in July. So eight teams will make it. You have to win your division basically to make it except for the two big divisions out East. So if Aurora wins their division, there's a chance we could see some playoff soccer uh, down at TCO Stadium in Egan. But enough of a Twitter recap for y'all. We have a featured guest. We have somebody I want to introduce. The person who designed the, I think, much raved about and certainly sold out, I think, kits of Minnesota Aurora. She's previously designed kits for Forward Madison, for Green Bay Voyagers. Um, and we have to get on to ask how she comes up with these kits. So here I have to introduce you, Cassidy Sepnieski. Sepnieski, it's really close. <laughs> Sepnieski. And I'm... And we're and I'm a ski and I got it wrong, so I apologize. All good. So, thanks Hi. for joining, Cassidy. Obviously, you're probably still maybe riding a little bit of a high. Are you from the all the buzz and like the release of the Aurora kits? Um, a little bit. I kind of try and detach myself. I don't want my head to get too big, so I kind of uh, just put my phone down um, on days where things launch, and then check back in later, and then kind of mm -hmm. celebrate with the people that I works with on it. It's always a team effort. So it's good mm -hmm. to kind of enjoy those moments with everybody who was a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of put it away and I, I let the fans enjoy it. So I've been coming down from it for sure. But yeah, I've been, um, you know, trying to stay on solid ground there. So. <laughs> <laughs> stay humble. Well, did you, did you, I was going to ask, did you go to the reveal? I don't know where you live. Do you live in Madison still or do you? 
I don't. Um, I actually have been, and this is weird to say, but I've been fully nomadic for the last five months. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've basically been working remote uh, full-time during the day. And so I've been traveling around the country. Uh, So when the kits launched, I was actually driving through Utah uh, to go to Salt Lake City for a day. So I barely got phone reception anyways. So it was Uh, nice. It was like, I would come back, check in in an hour and there would be a bunch of buzz. And so mm -hmm. it was great to kind of see it unfold. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was out in the middle of the desert, just enjoying mm-hmm. some sunshine. So right on, good yeah. for you. That sounds really cool. And that's um, and it was an amazing event. Just so you know, I was there. It was really fun. I mean, it was just and it was cool to see. Kind of, you know, there hasn't been a big public event for the team, so it's cool mm-hmm. to see the mix of who was coming out. And um, have you yeah. had an event when you de- designed the other kits? I'm curious. Like, did you ever have a big event like that, like a reveal, you know, event where there was all that attention? Maybe not the scale of the Mall of America, but yeah, yeah, we did portrayed like that. We did a few with Forward where um we did in-person events. Uh the last kit that I was a part of launching before I left in September was the Friends with Benefits jersey, mm-hmm. um, which we actually got to go out to London, me and a coworker, um, Evan. So we ended up going out to London and meeting with some kit collectors and launching out of the classic football s- store in mm-hmm. London, and that was really incredible. Um, but I will say Wes and Andrea know how to put on a show um the pictures looked incredible the fans looked incredible like Uh, models looked incredible so i'm disappointed i didn't get to go but uh the i the aurora event looked just unreal and Mm -hmm. the drag queens were the most beautiful touch Uh, so yeah yeah. i was so excited to see them because i work at the black heart and i hadn't seen them and i was like oh and they're and they are yeah two of the very best betty bang dina delicious i think and they are yeah, they were amazing. It was fun. <laughs> the talent at the Blackheart is unparalleled. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to to see that worked in and mm-hmm. celebrate that part. So, yeah. So tell me how you got connected to this Aurora project, the most recent one. How did you, first of all, like, had you, you know, heard of the team before the connection occurred? And then how did it actually come to actually be the project of you working on it? Yeah, so I left forward At the very beginning of September, I was kind of not sure what I was going to do. I had um, gotten an offer for this uh, full-time job that I have now, which is great. Um, And then I wasn't sure if I still wanted to work in soccer or like do much in soccer. Um, Wasn't sure where to go, but I had seen the Twitter come up for... um, you know, Minnesota women's soccer. Uh, they had the beautiful aqua badge that was just a placeholder. And it was like, oh, this is really nice. This is a great placeholder. Like, um, uh-huh. so I started following uh, kind of what they were doing peripherally, not really knowing how I would get involved. And I actually met Wes uh, through a mutual friend. I, mm-hmm. I ended up in his bar one night. I was in the Twin Cities. Uh, mm-hmm. And I introduced myself and he goes, wait, you're that Cassidy? Like for Madison Cassidy? I was like, yeah. He goes, okay, we got to talk a little more. And I was like, yes, we do. I think we do. (laughs) And so it was pretty much happenstance. I was right place, right time. um, Mm -hmm. And connected with the right people through some mutual friends. And from there, like, it all just kind of fell into place. The the people who are building that team, um, the the founders, the community owners, like, it's really a special group. And it Mm -hmm. was, it was really welcoming and a great collaborative process. So I feel really lucky to have fallen into th- this project so yeah when did you when did you 
uh, when did the work actually start of like, you're, you know, you're actually working on the kit? Um, the conversation started like in the fall. Um, I don't remember exactly. Like mm -hmm. I said, I've been nomadic. So time is kind of yeah. <laughs> relative. Um, well, I'm so just curious how long it takes, you know, it's like, when did, when did, do you remember, like, when did you have the first, well, like, you know, if you were starting in the fall, you didn't even have the crest or anything yet. No. So I mean, talk about how, well, maybe that's a way into it too. I mean, because it was so exciting to see the crest unveiled. I honestly did think there was a chance. Are they just going to keep the placeholder? Cause it is really good. And I like the, sh I, the shirt I have of that. I love, like, it's kind of like you were in at the beginning, you know? Yeah. And, but how much when the crest came out and then you're working on that, how much did the crest help or like, how did it inspire it? Or did it, you know, did you feel pressure? Cause the crest was really good. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I was brought into the conversation prior to the crest being finalized. Um, so I think it, it must have been like mid-November when mm -hmm. we started kind of having conversations. Mm -hmm. um, so getting to see the work that uh, the two female designers were putting in on the crest options, mm -hmm. like set the bar so high because mm -hmm. it was like they have three stunning options for their crest mm -hmm. and the fact that the community then gets to come in and vote and then they get to go refine it and build out this beautiful brand. Like it was stepping into kind of mm -hmm. not an intimidating space, but a space where it's like, okay, this is a fantastically built project. Like, mm -hmm. can I carry the torch on what they're mm -hmm. building? Can I assist? Um, so it was really good to come in and see kind of the behind the scenes build up for all of that. Um, mm -hmm it definitely went into how I approach the design, um, the amount of time I put on it in it, the, mm -hmm. uh, kind of goals I had going in personally and, uh, the attention to detail I wanted to bring. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Talk about who you worked with at the team. I know. And I, um, I'm sure, you know, maybe you connected with Wes. And I know he was maybe a part of it. Is it, it was Ali Rinky maybe part of it? Who else was working with you? The two primary people I talked to were Wes and Ali. Um, and so, mm -hmm those two are uh, gifts. They are human gifts. Uh, that little team was just fantastic, um, mm -hmm. collaborative, supportive, uh, fun. Um, so those two really created the space uh, where as a, as a creative who's being invited into a project, like it mm -hmm. felt welcoming. It felt um, like I was allowed to input my own um, kind of thoughts into it, mm -hmm. but also given the information and the resources I needed to uh, create something that was for the community. So <clears throat> it felt really good. It, it's a great process. They both are, had great ideas. So it was um, really good. And then I got to go to Minnesota again in February and I met with uh, some of the rest of the, the crew, the founders, and we got to mm -hmm. see some samples and mm -hmm. uh, that was really exciting. So, uh, yeah, Wes and Allie were godsends on this project. Yeah, it's been amazing to see. Well, and it's cool. I mean, it's it's it backs up kind of the holistic uh, piece of the, what the club wants to be and what you know they're kind of showing in their actions, which is you know giving opportunities for professional development for you know players, but it's also you know it's all female coaches, right? There's been all these designers who are women who are doing amazing work. So it's like you. It, you want to be growing people in all the aspects of the game. And so it's a cool thing, you know, it's backed up in, indeed. So I'm yeah. sure that must have, that makes for a better cohesive group to join too, I'm sure. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It made for a really great experience and it, it felt like, um, it felt just really good from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Did you, so now that I didn't think about how you maybe were talking to the team prior to the actual look crest being picked. So did you have a rooting interest? You don't have to say which one, but did you, were you watching it that way? Cause it was obviously made an impact <laughs> on your life. Um, I was, sold on Aurora pretty hard. Uh, I mm -hmm. loved all the options, but I think the the strength in the simplicity of the crest um, and mm -hmm. kind of the the name being so like clean, but also personal to the area, like it felt like a really mm -hmm. good choice. That's where I, I definitely was leaning, mm -hmm. but the work that was presented, I don't think any of them could have been wrong. So mm -hmm. it was, um, I was gonna make it work no matter what kind of came out of it, but I was I, th I threw a, a coin or two in the in the hat for Aurora. <laughs> I, yeah, it's well it, agreed. Like I would have been very happy with any of them, yeah. and they work. It's like Arctic was kind of like the similar type of thing where it's kind of like an idea, you know, in, in terms of what type of name it is. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean the color, and I think the thing that makes it very cool is like you know, like I follow a lot of different soccer. And so like, for example, like the MLS has like, there's like five to 10, like amazing kits in MLS. And then there's like 25 to 30 that are white shirts, <laughs> black shirts, li and literally a white, just a white shirt. Right. And yeah. so, um, and then also, and then the colors are not incredibly diverse. So it's always exciting to see. And like the Aurora colors stand out, you know, like the keeper kit even though it's just a little feature of that orange on the crest, it's like, well, yeah, that works perfect as the alternate keeper color. And yeah. it was, a, it's a cool, it's a cool, what is that color? I'm sure it's not just called orange. It's called flash red. Flash red. That's yes. a good job. Good yeah. job naming that. I didn't name that. that one. I think that was Allie. Um, and it is very appropriate. Uh, yeah. yeah. And cool. I will that say, makes it even cooler. Yeah. I was cool. hesitant on it. I was not sold on the idea of using it as a full kit. I was like, this is too strong. Like uh -huh. this is going to be like too much. And then we saw it in person. I was like, you guys were totally right. This mm -hmm. is where I, I bow out on this opinion. Like you guys, you uh -huh. swayed me in a way that it makes a lot of sense. And that's what was so nice. Like the collaborative nature of it and like everybody's ideas mattered and everybody mm -hmm. got a say and it was good. That's great. Yeah. And well, there's a lot of, there's cool colors and there's a lot of things you could do. I mean, with like a goalie kit that, yeah, it's nice to have it stand out from the other jerseys, but it's also like, you could do a really cool, a different version of like a black, you know, yeah. with all the different colors. And, um, but yeah, we'll get into, you may, you have another, uh, sky constellation based kit. We have to ask, I'll have to ask you about uh, in a little bit, but so I wanted to ask too, like, when did you, just clearly, I mean, you got started doing this early. You're in college, clearly doing this work. So I'm just wondering, like, when you knew, when you had the idea that this is something you'd want to do, be a designer, or what do you refer to yourself as when people ask what you do, a designer? Uh, a designer? I guess now, um, before I didn't, I actually have a degree in marketing. So I have a business degree. Mm -hmm. um, so for a long time, I was like, no, I'm a, I'm into marketing. Like, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. a business kid. Like, uh -huh. And I was just kind of doing graphic design on the side because um, I wanted to know what was going on. And I think I, I thought it would round out my career. Mm -hmm. um, and then it ended up like taking a very full swing yeah. in the other direction, like mm -hmm. uh, very strongly um, leaning in design now. So, yes, I would say 
I'm officially a graphic designer. Okay. Um, but I remember I actually started with the baseball side of things uh, in yeah. Madison. Mm -hmm. And I remember my boss asked me to do something. This was like my first year being employed there. And he was like, can you make a flyer or a poster or something? I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I wish we could hire a professional graphic designer. He goes, what do you think you are? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, don't we pay you for graphic design? Uh -huh. And I was like, I guess. He goes, that would make you a professional a graphic designer. Right. I, <laughs> and I was like, fair enough. Fair uh -huh. enough. So you, you, you got to stretch that, Cassidy. The first time I played in a band in high school and got paid like $50, I was like, well, technically I'm a professional musician now. Yeah. The minute you, cash hits the hands, like <laughs> I just didn't know if you used a more impressive, broader term like creative strategy, you know, or something like that. You don't want to limit you. Um, I'm sure I'll come up with something like niche one day, but I mm. haven't. Um, the just designer works. Um, you already your website's great. And I, you have, it's so people can see all the work and get all the idea there. So that's it needs to be cleaned up so much. I keep saying, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And then I never get to it. It's like the enigma that haunts mm -hmm. my dreams is like, I haven't added anything new to it. It's missing like four of my last projects. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cassidy here, I cover um, college and lower division um, soccer. So my website standards, to be frank, are yours is amazing compared <laughs> to the websites I am scrolling through to try and scrape out some details sometimes. So, but, and also, but yeah, I was thinking when I was looking, I was like, this is a nice website. And I was like, it must be a lot of pressure. If you're a graphic designer, your website better be basically perfect. It has to be perfect or represent. Yeah. The talent out there and the people that are spending the time necessary to make their websites like kudos to them there are some ridiculously good websites and you like go on mine it's like i just took all the pngs of like what i had and like shoved them on a couple pages <laughs> and it's like this will work <laughs> so you i mean so i'm going to ask you about the mallards but so when i'm curious about like your experience in college or went to eau claire mm -hmm. I, I, introducing you i wanted to say a blue gold i didn't you know i didn't reference that cassidy is probably you know a proud blue gold of uw eau claire absolutely uh, when did, were you involved in any sports or graphic design pieces when you were there uh yes so i so I went into college with a slight chip on my shoulder. I wanted to go to the University of Oregon mm -hmm. and it just was too big of a jump. Like it was too costly. It wasn't feasible. Mm -hmm. um, and so I decided if I couldn't go get a D1 experience, I was going to make up for it by just having all the jobs. Um, <laughs> so I was half a human being in college. I was doing 18 credits a semester so I could graduate <laughs> on time. Um, I was working four jobs and I was on the board of a student organization. Mm -hmm. I, it's like, <laughs> and now having like one job, maybe a side project every now and again. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't understand where the energy came from. Like, <laughs> I don't get right. it. Um, but I was doing marketing and events production for our athletic department. I was mm -hmm. doing um, graphic design. Uh, for our recreation department. So all of like the outdoor trips, the, the, mm -hmm. the you know, intramurals, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, I was 
working at Texas Roadhouse doing the line dances. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't. What what part of the job is doing the line dances? I don't know this. Oh, they make the server stop and line dance. <laughs> it's like just Cold Stone still make them sing. Like it's like that. Did it's you get tip? Did you get? I'm a server. Did you get tip from people doing it? No. The things they make servers do for free. It's insane. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then I was actually working for the country music festival um, in Eau Claire called Country Jam mm -hmm. um, for a while. So I was doing kind of box office operations, social media, ticketing, mm -hmm. all that nonsense. Or I mm -hmm. should say jazz, not nonsense. All that jazz. <laughs> country Jam, yes. I mean, I, I I did. I mean, I looked, yeah, like looking at your website, I, I did have to at least ask about Country Jam USA. Did you attend Country Jam USA after making that? How fun was it? I um, worked it mm -hmm. three years in a row. And yeah. so fun is a really strong word. Because right. it's basically five days, 18 hour days. I was overseeing like a handful of interns. So it's uh -huh. you're like herding cats and then you've got like 75,000 really intoxicated people mm -hmm. um, that you're also trying to wrangle in. <laughs> and then everybody's mad at you on social media and you have no idea why. <laughs> so uh, I would say the experience was super valuable. The people that I worked with were fun, but I probably wouldn't like immediately sign up to work another country mm -hmm. music festival. I also worked a music festival in my own town of Walker, Minnesota called Moon Dance Jam. And it's yeah. a classic rock festival. And I did it, yeah, I did it one summer. I did it another summer, but yeah, it was, it, pre it prepared me for working in a bar now. It's because if you can handle that, you can handle, yeah. Anything, literally people, anything. <laughs> people wanted their, $8 golden lights. So bad, Cassie. So bad. Um, yeah. And then after the five days of like prep work, set up, dealing with people, they handed me a rake on the day when everybody left and I had to rake up trash for like 12 hours. And I was like, I might not come back next year. This mm -hmm. might be, this might be the last straw, but this I came back because I am a sucker for raking trash apparently. It's how, <laughs> look, we all know this is how you pay dues to become a graphic designer. There's a lot of do's on the Making road. Trash. <laughs> <Making> trash. <laughs> yes. Look, it got you here. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I had to ask too. I mean, I don't know if there's any stories to be told about Yum Yum Fest, but I just thought it must be fun to do work designing logos that say Yum Yum Fest. That one was actually. I sometimes I I forget about that project because it's like wrapped up in the baseball seasons and right. the craziness. Um, I actually went to Hobby Lobby and bought. Um, a bunch of paper and mm -hmm. started like crumpling it up and hand cutting out those letters and then scanning mm -hmm. them in. And so all of that, all of those materials are actual paper, like okay. menus, logos, like I hand papered that mm -hmm. stuff. And I was like, this is fun. This is mm -hmm. a really good time. And then yeah. <laughs> um, I'll never forget the beer menu change the night before. And I was sitting on the floor mm -hmm. of the office, like crying. Cause I was reprinting out like mm -hmm. thousands of fold outs. <laughs> like yeah. trying to get them ready for 8 a.m. the next day. And I was like, don't you just love this branding? Like <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that reminds me of like volunteering in politics and having to yeah, do a, well, we got 10,000. We got to fold all these things. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Get your hands uh, ready. I love it. So how, and so talk about working with Madison. That was your first foray into sports, which like being, being in the area, it's like, that's gotta be a great gig to get. Like minor league baseball, you know, 
is just so fun because yeah. of that energy and the promotions and stuff. So how did you get started with them? And what did you, were you first hired to do graphic design or were you just an intern there? I wasn't an intern. Um, I actually kind of came in as they were expanding their creative department, which was mm -hmm. me and one other person for a little bit. So um, <laughs> I was the expansion. <laughs> um, and the full-time job opportunity opened up the fall after I left college. So it was like perfect timing. I applied cool. um, and I was actually doing kind of a mix. So I was marketing and graphic design. And then I was actually running the press box. Um, so I was doing all of the live production stuff with it. Uh, oh. so mm -hmm. Overseeing video boards, broadcasts, live streaming, um, mm -hmm. press release writing, pretty much anything related to live production i was i had a hand in as well so a lot of game day experience uh they play 72 games in 75 days and yeah i wasn't working all of them half of them are on the road but right. it was a very real deep end of the pool like push yeah. uh, which was great because i learned a lot um it was intense um made a lot of really good friends and mm -hmm. then uh they started a soccer team a year later and I was involved in that. And that's kind of dictated my career path and yeah. you know, where I want to go from there. So yeah. That's well, and that makes sense because I was gonna ask you about connecting with Forward Madison. I actually didn't realize I know Peter Wilt was a part of founding it, but I didn't know the the more local uh, the more local founders piece of it that they were from the Mallard. So that's so did they just approach you saying, Hey, we're starting this new project and we want yeah. to do it too? I always like to joke that um, they were building out like this really great team. Peter Wilt brought in Kuba, Shirzan Osaniak. Like there were a lot of great players um, that came in and they got to the fall and they realized that nobody on their staff could open Photoshop. Um, and so, open, and, uh, not use it. Kuba uh, <laughs> could open Photoshop, but it, yeah. he wasn't designing jerseys anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and I was the closest one. I was, and they like, they were like, Hey, you like, get over here, help us out. And I did. And it turned out really good. So yeah, yeah. those were, I mean, those are really amazing. And I, I believe me, I actually, I spent some time in StreamYard trying to figure out if I could pull up pictures. If, if I was, if I was more savvy with tech like you, maybe we could, maybe StreamYard requires an upgrade, but I desperately wanted to just be able to, <laughs> it probably would have been too long of a show, but pull up all the kits and just ask you about them. But so for people listening right now, if you're on a computer or phone, pull up, like look at, you can go to Cassidy's website. It's very easy yeah. to see all the kits, but I love, um, you know, Ford Madison has some cool, it's like tie dye type things with like sky blue and purple or whatever the actual colors are pink, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, um, the Voyager kit has, is a constellation and it's like the constellation you would see above Green Bay. And it's like, uh, you know, all this stuff you get yeah. with a big kit release. Um, so I love those. How did you get connected to doing Green Bay Voyagers? And, um, how were those, I, I'd ask like, how is it? different working with Ford Madison? I mean, is it just the same people with the Mallards in Madison or was there a difference, you know, going into the soccer world for the first time? That's a great question. Um, the, so the Voyagers were created the same year, a year after Forward, um, actually the same ownership group. So right. we owned the Green Bay Booyah and the Green Bay Voyagers up in- um, Hold up, hold up. What's what's the Green Bay Booyah? It was the minor league team out of Green Bay. Now they changed. They new ownership and they're uh, the Green Bay Rockers now. So 
Oh, wow. I really need you. I, I'm sorry. I, I just really want some gear. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, I love that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I was already kind of working. Um, I mean, I was like deeply involved in the baseball stuff. So mm -hmm. it, it like became part of my workload to mm -hmm. help on the soccer side. Um, but they are very separate. And it was mm -hmm. uh, some days really hard to transition from like a morning working on baseball stuff to then switch to soccer stuff. And it's two different worlds, two different fan groups, two different um, right. kind of targets to hit. Um, right. You know, baseball is built on being gimmicky and a little mm -hmm. bit like, like garish. And then soccer is much more, um, traditionalist and like clean and nuanced. Like there's a lot of nuance in, mm -hmm. in the soccer culture, um, mm -hmm. that I didn't know and had to learn. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, some of those kits are actually blending those two worlds where it's like, how do you have fun with it, but still make mm -hmm. it elevated and yeah. kind of, uh, you know, like fit with our community, mm -hmm. not gimmicky, but still interesting. So it was right. a fine line, a lot of balance and a lot of figuring stuff out as I went. It makes a lot of sense that um, they have that minor league baseball influence and ownership though, because I would say they do it perfectly in terms of balancing it because you do want it to be fun. And it, the one thing about soccer, I'm sure that you found it, that makes it different than other sports. And like you see, it just works differently where you actually, as a team, you need to allow a certain amount of room for the supporters to drive the culture, which is can be frustrating because, of course, if you don't really have fans or supporters building that, you know, you want to try to build it. And so it is. It, and when you're a new team, of course, you know, you want to help develop it as well. So it, it's, a, it's a different balance. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, minor league baseball is built on and they, they openly own it. It's based on like entertainment aside from baseball. You know, it's like they know what it is and it's both, you know, they want to develop players, but um, yep. yeah, you know, but I, I think they balance it well. Yeah. I think the thing about minor league baseball too, is it's kind of meant to be plug and play. Like all you have to do is show up and you're going to have a good time. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily take you being super involved. It doesn't take mm -hmm. you being putting thought into it. It doesn't take you kind of like even knowing what's going on where it's mm -hmm. completely different at a soccer match. Like you show up and you don't know the chance, like you don't know the, uh -huh. the culture, like you don't know where the fans are, like you're going to be a little bit behind. It takes a little more work and it takes a little more like mm -hmm. um, them building a culture. And I think that was what was really exciting to see those first few years was that culture was organically built by these mm -hmm. incredible fans. And it was only like, we only amplified kind of, their mm -hmm. ability to build that. And that was really cool. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like helping them create avenues of expressing themselves and using kits as a way to kind of get forward on the map so mm -hmm. that they could build something really, that really shines. So that was yeah. really neat. It's a cool, it's a great club. And I think Minnesotans are like, you know, with Carl Craig going there as our former manager and then lots of players and things. And it's like, there just aren't that many, um, professional soccer clubs close by. So it's always a cool, people in Minnesota are really proud of them too. It's kind of funny because, because soccer is a growing sport. It's very big now, but you know, the fact that like I grew up with soccer being such an underdog sport, it's like 
we should be really, you'd want, you'd think we might be really harsh rivals with like Kansas City or whoever, but it's like, no, we're actually just really pumped. We each have teams, you know, yeah. <laughs> which is, I think, fine. You know, it's, and if it becomes a more bitter one, that's fun too, but it's kind of funny. The friendly rivalry is funny because Minnesota and Wisconsin, we don't have any other of those. No, and it's like, it's more of a camaraderie in being the underdog mm-hmm. and rather than like uh, the, yeah, it's like a mutual understanding almost, it seems right. like. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. When you, I have to ask, so you, is every single one of your kits, I think for the, at least for soccer, were inaugural teams, weren't they? Like they were starting or, and, or at least most of So I'm wondering, yeah. <laughs> well, like when I talked about like seeing the Aurora Crest and then knowing you have to translate that into what is going to be, you know, like a defining look because like, in a case like Madison, like if you hadn't now that kind of tie-dye type swish that is a, is a whole part of their definition. So I'm just wondering how, maybe you hadn't thought of it before, but I'm wondering how that factors into your, like, you're, maybe it means you can't go too far astray. You want to like define it by what the look should be. I don't know. How do you process that? Or is no, it that's even a, a piece of it? That's a really great point. And I honestly hadn't really thought of that. Um, the, they all have been kind of a blank slate, Mm -hmm. um, which is really, it's really been a gift um, now that I'm like thinking about it because Uh, what's a better opportunity than just a blank page? Um, I think uh, candidly, the crests that I've been allowed to work with have lent themselves really to just a a foundation that is already so Mm -hmm. elevated. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, the Voyager's Crest by Matt Wolf, like mm-hmm. unreal, easily one of yes. the best crests in yes. lower division soccer. Um, the paddle on it, I love it, man. And, and it's so easy. I think one of the first steps I usually do, honestly, is dissect crests um, when I'm mm-hmm. thinking about kits and how can mm-hmm. I take mm-hmm. uh, take um, pieces that already are being utilized so well mm-hmm. and continue that usage um so for example the 2019 alternate which was the first alternate that kind of hit big was that mm-hmm. pink one with the navy chevrons kind of going across mm-hmm. it um it actually the underlying pattern the scallop pattern that we ended up using quite a bit is just a chunk of the crest cut in half mm-hmm. um, so it's actually the bottom of the forward logo the like mm-hmm. feathers um and i just huh cut that out of the crest and I repeated it a bunch of times. And that was that kind of the, that did set the tone for a lot of our branding, a lot of our stuff. Um, We use Mm -hmm. that pattern in a lot of things. Same with the the Voyager branding, Um, the paddles on the away kit are straight from the Mm -hmm. crest, the star uh, turned into the constellation is straight from the crest. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of thoughtfulness when I'm given like a good crest into mm-hmm. how do I just take work that I already know is really good mm-hmm. and use that to define a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. I love the, the green big constellation. The one thing, the cool thing about kits is sometimes they're, they're great for players, but of course, like one, it's body shape. They're unforgiving on any of us, <laughs> but 
sometimes kits really work for streetwear and sometimes they look they might look really good in the field but not really work as a person wearing it and so most of yours i mean especially like i love like that madison well like i don't know if you did the madison reversible one but that was really yeah. that was weird and then but that green bay one it just wears well like it look and you don't look like you're a dorky dude wearing a soccer jersey you know yeah. there's a difference but yeah yeah the i was saying to someone um that the Green Bay set as a whole, like home away mm -hmm. alternate from 2020, mm -hmm. 2020 is my favorite. Um, yeah. Like it, it's that set in itself, like is mm -hmm. uh, the one that I felt just really good mm -hmm. across the board. Um, so that, yeah, it, like the, the alternate one is the green one with the trees. And I actually hand painted those and uh, like, that's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, this, this is the best. <laughs> like, I'm never going to top this. And then we did the, like, I actually kind of worked backwards that year. And I did the tie-dye one after that. And it was like, uh -huh. they're both good. I like them both. <laughs> yeah. I Look, we, and by the way, I, I didn't realize we'd be doing this, but we have a message for, you know, all those boomer designers who think young kids can only do it with tech and they're only use it. This, Cassidy is painting. She is scanning in physical paper forms. It's all encompassing. The, mill yeah. the millennial and Z designers can do it all. Can do it yeah. All. Um, the canvas that the drip kit was born from is actually like shoved in my car somewhere right now, <laughs> which Very is cool. probably not the right spot for it. But that's awesome. <laughs> I, I like. I like to nomad. travel with it. It's nomad life, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. I'll take a quick break to read this ad from our, our sponsor, Pence Homes. You guys have heard this before. This episode is brought to you by Pence Homes. Pence Homes is a real estate team with Keller Williams, and Matt personally has experience working with Nate and Lydia when he sold and bought his home last fall. Nate has been a supporter of the local soccer community, including as an owner of Minnesota Aurora FC. Uh, and Matt also enjoyed working with one of their preferred lenders, Angie Shearer, with Luminate Financing. If you have house questions, whether selling, buying, you need a furnace or a flooring person, shoot them a message at pencehomes.com. Um, so I, now I want to ask you too, Cassidy. So you, I mean, in terms of the soccer world, there are really few people in like U.S. soccer culture who have like hold the place that Peter Wilt does because he's just. You know, he helped found the Chicago Fire. He helped found um, the Chicago uh, NWSL team. He fight, you know, and then all the clubs that you've been connected to. And he genuinely seem he generally seems like a fun guy, and he's always posting pictures like drinking beer and dives around Wisconsin. So I'm wondering, you know, just like yeah, exactly. How much like how much interaction do you have with him? And how much does he get into? I don't know. I thought maybe I've heard like him be kind of involved in designing you know crests and things when he was involved in teams did he did he connect with your work in that way yes um i mean peter so i actually wasn't involved in the forward crest like uh, yeah. decision he was leading that um with the ownership the other owners um pretty heavily um but you could tell right away that he had kind of a a vision for the tone he wanted mm -hmm. to set um mm -hmm. And it was really strong and um, it was really good as a young designer to mm -hmm. not have to guess at what that vision yeah. was. Mm -hmm. um, he came in and he's like, I want it irreverent. I want okay. it fun. 
Uh I want it to speak to Madison. Um, And you can see kind of that influence in the clubs he's done and like the legacy he has is that he's so in tune with the people that are speaking into what the club should be Mm -hmm. from a supporter side that he is like, we need to build around that. And so as someone who came in kind of late to the, to the game with no understanding, like Peter was incredible. Mm -hmm. He was a visionary and it was really cool to get to see what he saw Mm -hmm. and make it into a shirt that fit that vision. Um, that was really uh, a great experience. Peter is a one of a kind guy. Um, really mm-hmm. just incredibly kind, uh, very forgiving when it wasn't something that he liked. He, he would just be like, no, not for me. And like, that was it. Like, the Midwestern way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, back to the drawing board, uh, I guess. But as like a young designer, it's nice. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, that it's just like, you don't have to feel, yeah, it's like letting yeah. you process through it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, and yeah, it was never like strong handed. Like he just was a good, mm-hmm. a good um, mentor and a good, good guy to, mm-hmm. to work with. Very easy mm-hmm. to to see where he wanted to take this and, and yeah. get inspired by it. He, I think, yeah, that more than anything, you know, when you talk about like what it takes for a soccer club to be successful, he understands, I mean, probably the business part of it very well too, but, but I think what people know him as is like, he understands what makes a successful culture and like what it takes, if it's going to be successful, what it means, you know, to support that. And um, yeah, I'm not surprised here. He said it needs to be irreverent and it's fun. Um, there, yeah. And I don't think any of us really knew what we were kind of getting into. Maybe Peter did more than the rest of us, but mm-hmm. his tone was so laid back that it's like, this is all just kind of casual. And then yeah. the, the like rabidness of people when they saw these kits or they were reacting to our things of it. We're like Peter, like, and he was like, "No, this is good." And we're like, "Why are you so casual?" Like, <laughs> he showed up to our third kit launch, which was at a car dealership for some sponsorship reason. Yeah. Um, and I showed up with like no makeup on. I was like not prepared. I was just like a casual day. Like we're launching a kit. I should probably show up. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. He showed up with a bowling ball. He was bowling in the in the car yeah. dealership alley, like so casual and then that kit went on to like win an award and it's like the cognitive dissonance of like where we were as a staff and like what the people were thinking we were like is so different like we were so chill because that was the tone and it was great it was awesome and it was like really freeing it was not Mm -hmm. a lot of pressure it was like we're just gonna ride it out Mm -hmm. and like see what happens and like yeah it's going to go like <laughs> he's wow. Yeah. That is really funny. I mean, he's been there before, man. Nothing's going to, he's, he's like, yeah, it's another, yeah, this is going to be another team. Another. Yeah. I mean, and I, it, did he do Indy 11? He just, he had Chicago house, which played in Nice last year too. And then yeah. I think he helped with Indy 11 when they started. He did. He did start, he did um, start up Indy 11. And that's actually how he met the social media manager that we had, Jason Klein, who's a savant. Uh, mm. He went on to law school last year, which is, Mm-hmm. Uh, just insane because he's both brilliant and nice. incredibly gifted on social. And we were lucky to have him. Um, mm-hmm. But they met because Jason was a fan of Indy 11. He's from mm-hmm. Indianapolis. And so Jason just met Peter and Peter brought him on board once he got to Madison. And it was like a, a match made in heaven. Like Jason mm-hmm. really launched 
the tone on social to another mm -hmm. level that none of us could touch. So they, that reminds me of one of my favorite, you know, soccer Twitter is very insular. And if you, I think people complain about being negative, don't follow the negative people. I just unfollow them, but so, it's so insular and funny. And one of my favorite things is all these teams, when they have the match picture of the field before the game, they say the calm before the storm. Yeah. And Pablo Maurer is a wonderful soccer journalist. He's a great mechanic. You cool dude. Follow him on Twitter, follow yeah. him on the athletic. He rightly so would be like, this is such a dumb cliche, you know, and everyone around the world does it. And Madison got a sponsor so that the tweet they would do of that is presented by, is it a credit? It's like some, it's a credit. I should have looked it up, but they, yeah. you know, they, it's the calm before the storm tweet presented by whatever. And even Pablo Maurer was like, touche forward Madison. Yeah. Jason, when he was um, running the account, that was like his baby. He used to like, write poems for the calm before the storm like um yeah he really he really cared about that a lot yeah. well and it matters i mean you don't have to be doing crazy funny stuff or crazy creative stuff but it's like you have to provide the bare minimum of communication it's like when you see certain minor league or summer league sports it's like they don't you know and it makes it tough to cover so and um, I, yeah i think that kind of cultivate or culminates uh why we had so much kind of amplified mm -hmm. voice and um, mm -hmm. it's like the kits were one thing but then jason's hard work kuba's hard work uh mm -hmm. the team there were players on the team that did a really nice job um mm -hmm. of just connecting people and getting people involved and just staying mm -hmm. it's like when we weren't talking about kits jason was shoveling a player release into the snow like it's it was all balancing yeah. into yeah. this like crazy atmosphere of like perfect storm conditions yeah um for blowing this thing up so yeah yeah are you i have to ask you cassie are you a soccer player did you play growing up or do you play badly uh badly yeah. i was uh <laughs> bad enough where my dad was the coach and he like benched me straight up no no remorse cold-blooded i quit <laughs> after that year <laughs> it's kind of like i heard about aaron chastain who coached the gophers said when they made the tournament, they had her husband and the assistant coach doesn't be the ball boys. And I thought that would be like, you, you have an amazing role in soccer. You're designing these amazing kits. I thought that would be my role to play is to be a good ball boy for a team. Yeah. But you, so you found your path in soccer though. Are you a soccer fan? Like, do you I, follow any teams? I mean, maybe Madison now and all those teams. I try to be more generalist and more so just follow where the kind of chatter is. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm less, of a, I mean, I like the sport. I like watching it. I like going to games. I'll go to any live sporting event. Yeah. Um, but I think what's really interesting is just to see the culture that builds up around these places mm -hmm. and how they're using that to make change, how they're using that to mm -hmm. have their voices heard. Like, um, I think that's what I'm more so following in the soccer yeah. atmosphere. So, yeah, I realize that there's long stretches where and I bartend games, so I'll see games then, but like there's long stretches where I maybe even don't really maybe watch a full game, I'll watch a bit, and I, but I consume soccer content on culture all the time. So I, I relate to that where it's like, I like reading about stories in different, you know, it helps me learn about different places and, you know, or it's like, I'm like big, you know, like labor and union advocate. It's like, those stories are always amazing. So it is, yeah, like, yeah, I agree. You don't even have, yeah, it's like, and you go to the game and it's a bonus, yeah. The Oh, oh do you own kits and do you have you you must have do you have a copy of all the ones you've done or do you, do you it's I, getting expensive now 
actually just got a copy of all the forward ones. Um, I didn't have them. Um, I kind of reached back out to the club. I was like, hey, can I get these? Yeah. <laughs> like, realized I want to take pictures of them and I don't I know. I your dad. Tell him I made yeah. it, dad. Look, yeah. I'm inside. My parents are just finally, like, starting to understand, like, what I do. It took, <laughs> like, I took a long time for them to be like, wait, so you design shirts. But and that's what you do as a job? Yeah, that they could they could not wrap their head around that. Um, but I have started realizing like it's probably important to have a copy or two like on yeah. hand. Um, and then I just bought my first kit. Um, is a New Mexico United kit oh, this year. Um, they're so sweet. Not only are they absolutely incredible, but that front office is doing really everything right. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a great culture. They've got uh, really good people. Um, uh, and they, it's clear that they care about the creative side of things, the storytelling mm-hmm. side of things. And so it felt like more than just supporting like mm-hmm. a player or a shirt, mm-hmm. it's definitely supporting their bigger vision of what soccer should be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I appreciate what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They have, their colors are so amazing. The black kits yeah. with the colors on it are just like, they're just so nice. They're like, they're yeah, so- they're, they're so sweet. They're- yeah. Shout out, shout out to Diplo. If he's tuning in, part owner of New Mexico United, yeah, I want to know if he's been to a game. I don't know, but uh, so I I, I, I did see. (laughs) I think I saw a picture. I just scrolled like your Twitter picture, and I think I saw you know Providence City kit. Are you posted a picture, right? Dude, that was a training top that they sent me. Um, there, uh, that was the white kit with the TCP badge, which is incredible. Um, I do still on that kit um so i guess that was my first kit ever uh they sent me that as a gift um jason right. the guy that runs providence is a really great guy and they were doing some crazy stuff with their jerseys kind of way before we were doing it they were definitely like the beacon um that we were looking to model ourselves after so yeah yeah very cool well and so i i have a couple of really even this is i want to be even more granular about kits because this is i mean it, we're in the prime i think of kit culture i mean like you see like people making kits not for teams that are made up you know, like asbury park do you ever do you see that stuff that's like yes in the what there's the other one that they made it's like neptune is like their rival like it's yeah like fish it's a whole might be real so it's hard to even tell anymore because there's so many crests and clubs and yeah. I mean, the crests are there, so it's real, but yeah, they, mm-hmm. um, but I'm curious for you, like, you know, I was joking about MLS and some of the MLS kits are really nice, but you know, in general, whatever. Um, but there's things you notice in kits that you don't like, like, you know, certain people don't want it to be a V certain people like collars and don't. So I'm curious for you, um, like, do you have things like that? Like when you're watching, you're like, I just don't think that's what a kit should be or like, what annoys you about like a bad kid? Um, I will n- never bash another designer for putting their work out there. Um, but there are absolutely things where I'm like, this was a bold decision. Well, I mean, um, to just like structure because it's you know, it's like, yeah. or you know, it's like you know, it's like if you like shoulder panels or not, or you know, like, yeah, or, yeah, but yeah, certainly not. Yeah, I don't want to trap you. <laughs> no, you're good. Design, um, I, for a long time, was not sold on collars. I thought they were, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, bulky and weird, but some of them are just done really well. Um, and yeah. so, like, it has to be a rare collar for me to be, like, wow, this is right. top tier. Um, otherwise, I'm kind of eh, on them. And then there's some stuff with, like, the – I think people underestimate, like you were saying before, like, the way things fit 
and the mm-hmm. way things hit the body uh-huh. when people design that yeah. they don't take into consideration. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's those little details that make or break a kit for me. Yeah. Um, it's like a stripe misplaced here and a stripe misplaced there, or yeah. the logos are really far apart on the chest and it gets, it gets weird. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's easy to pass on those things when you're designing at full speed and you're like right. so close to it. Um, and I think it it's that extra kind of step to take uh, a 10 mile view of it when it's on a body and be like, okay, where do I need to adjust? Mm-hmm. And I do it too. There was a, I mean, there's some stuff where it's like, you just can't control production. And it's like, right. I wish this could have been more buttoned up the way I wanted it to. Uh-huh. Um, so there's definitely some of those details that uh, when it is actually on a body that I wish more designers would kind of take their time on mm-hmm. um, and just consider. So, yeah, you can tell, you know, especially like when, especially like when women's soccer was even less resourced, it's like, you could tell that they literally would get the old kit from a men's, you know, or something yeah. or, but even into like, if it's not designed, you know, like if it for like women's teams, if it's not designed, like you said, to be, to fit in the way yeah. it's meant to fit, you know, then it's not you know, like there's pictures of the US women's national team. Their first game they played in like 1990, I think they were literally wearing old men's kits, and it's like it's embarrassing and hilarious, and they're just really big. And yeah, but yeah, yeah coll- I think with collars, like you said, what I usually like is like I don't want the kind of bendy, like you know, 90s and early 2000s one. You kind of like, like one of the Madison one has like what looks almost like a dress collar shirt, but it's like flat and pointed. And it's kind of like doing it like a throwback and it looks, yeah, like, especially with the long sleeve. Some, yeah, it just depends. But I yeah. like those long sleeve Madison ones that have a collar. Yeah, those ones are, the collar was a little, little thick. That was kind of our first test into okay. it. And it, we got it and we're like, little bit retro, but that's okay. Right. Yeah, it, does. it looks like, in, you know, England. Yeah, you think yeah. a little bit, yeah. Um, and then I think like something that's crazy to me about the the kind of, like you said, the kit culture and the, like speed and pace at which things are being made and produced and sold is the fact that like so many kits get sold on mock-ups and that blows my mind because if Mm. if I haven't seen it printed, I would, I I cannot sell it. Like, Oh, you mean people are buying them by just seeing a picture, but not seeing a shirt. Yeah. Like a mock-up or like a rendering and that like, that blows my mind because I've designed many, many things where I'm like, this is going to look so good. And like, yeah. it's got sign off across the board. We've got a beautiful mock-up of it on like a Photoshop right. body, like buff Puma man is what we used to call him. Like, yeah. <laughs> like in yeah. Photoshop. And it's like, right. this is gold. And then you get it printed and you're like, no. And I think that's uh, so crazy to me is like how many, like, Mm-hmm. how much trust you must have in your producer. There's just really good producers out there that are like able to just turn right like mock-ups like that, where it's like, you know what you're getting, which is really great. But also right. like, I'm like, whoa. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If a color comes back just a grade away, it changes it a lot. You know, it's a like lot. like the kits, like the, the Aurora kits that are the, what do they call it? Like a mint or what do they call that? Color? But like, you know, it's like those could be so different. They could be a little darker. They could be light. They could be like a little more green or a little, and, you, and even within the Aurora scheme, like you could do, it could be very different. You know, like it just could be you like the tint between the arm and the shirt is different, you know? I mean, Allie and Wes actually went to the factory and nailed down the colors because it was, yeah. it's that important. Like yeah. it changes 
like the mock-up I sent thinking that the colors I chose to match the crest mm -hmm. were off yeah. in our first sample. And that's yeah. what just the nature of it. Like you're not going to nail it every time, yeah. um, but it does, it makes a huge difference. It changes the whole look it, the scale of things is really hard to nail. Um, yeah. If you don't see it, like I said, on a body or printed out. So I think it's, that stuff is pretty interesting. Like I said, that kind of next step of actually seeing it hang mm -hmm. on a human body makes a lot of difference to that final design. Mm -hmm. How much, I'm, a specific thing about the design and what you maybe, you don't have a choice in who like the presenting sponsor is on a jersey, right? So that makes a big difference. Like Minnesota United, it, the first year was kind of funny because Target is one of the best sponsors you could have because that logo is really clean and simple and you still know what it is without saying Target in words. But the, the stripe was like a little off center and it was like, well, I know it was breaking people's brains, but generally since then it's been like, that's like the perfect logo, right? Cause it just yeah. sits there, you can design kind of around it. Um, and sometimes if, if there's a company that doesn't have a nice logo, the kit can only work so much around it. So I'm curious for you, like how that's been, cause you think yours have generally been like Dairyland seems to fit pretty good on Madison. You know, I've the Voyagers been... don't have a big one. Yeah. I've been so lucky, um, it's like, is what it comes down to. Like the sponsors that I've gotten to work with have both been flexible, understanding. Mm -hmm. They've been um, excited, which is like a huge, like they're not just throwing money at this to throw money at this because, you know, right. local, local businesses for local clubs, which is huge. Mm -hmm. um, they've all been really flexible in terms of their coloring. Mm -hmm. um, so I cannot put out one complaint. Mm -hmm. uh, I can only imagine how disappointed I would have been um, if it, like, I always think of, the, is it Man United who has the big Chevy sponsor on some of their old kits? And it's like, if if I would have gotten a big gold Chevy like uh -huh. symbol across it, I think I would have like died a little bit inside. Yeah. Um, There's a million yeah. betting companies that have yeah. really poor like in in all these teams that have just the worst logos and it's like oh gosh I would never buy it I don't want to wear it yeah I know and it's like there's such a there when it's done really well and the symbiotic like nature mm -hmm. of the sponsor and the kit work really well together it's so good but when it's yeah. not there it's so frustrating right. um, well and I, I I think there are times like you said I think there are times where it would benefit greatly we're really in the weeds now too but it would benefit greatly if the if the company was willing to like like change the color even if it wasn't their branded color because it made the kit better and then people would wear it more you know I do think there's yeah. times where you're like huh if you just match or I mean in lower division in like in England and Europe you'll see and like literally it's like it's a blue and yellow kit and then a red box with words in the middle so it's like yeah you're like maybe you know tried to find some synergy that's yeah, yeah. yeah. um and we'll and talk about it because you're I think those organizations really benefited from one your work so literally you know good job and but I think like when you are these small nonprofits or small businesses who they're not built on turning a huge profit, how big, you know, you haven't, maybe you, you don't check, you know, how many jerseys are sold, but I'm sure you have an idea. How big of a deal is it for these small businesses to use that like strain of revenue? In terms of the club or in terms of, yeah, like, I mean, like, for example, if you're like, you know, those teams, I don't know how much they sold in merchandise, but I know like, for example, Minneapolis city publishes it and they said, and you know, it was some number in the five figures, right? It was like 10 grand versus we have like eight 
other teams that play in the same league and I I don't know how much merch they sold, but like that's a big difference. And so I'm curious just how much you saw, you know, of course it's great right. for the culture because people wear your stuff, but I'm curious just from a business standpoint, if you've know that, you know, see the value in that angle of it. Sure. I think a lot of people, um, you know, maybe especially people ab abroad that I saw this a lot when we went over to London or we're um, talking to kit collectors who are, uh, you know, not, fully aware of what lower division American soccer really was, mm -hmm. um, which they just see a team with like a thousand kits. It seems like, and like, they're like, what, what is going on here? Like, why uh -huh. does this lower division team have five kits in a season? Like it uh -huh. really doesn't make sense. Uh -huh. And the way I have to explain it is like, it's a tool for survival mm -hmm. and you have to use every tool at your disposal when you're a lower league team in order to survive. Like that mm -hmm. is, um, kind of the nature of the game. I think that's the nature of any small local business is mm -hmm. when you find something that connects you to people in a way that's positive and helps support your growth. Like it's kind of a no brainer to, mm -hmm. to capitalize on that. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think that the ability to, I think that's what makes it so unique is the ability to help a company grow through something as cool and artistic as a Jersey, like it's such a great opportunity. And I, mm -hmm. I, I think if more teams kind of realized this Avenue, mm -hmm. it might take away from the specialness, but it's also mm -hmm. going to add to the fact that like, this is a, an arts and culture play and it's a bottom line play and you mm -hmm. can do both at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's well, and it's, it's exciting to see because it, it also like what I love about soccer is the supporter group created um you know merch too so like mm -hmm. that's really cool is they get to be a part of building it where you know like how much is the loon on stuff how much is you know for minnesota united or um you know it and that takes on like i have a kit from one of the madison supporters groups because they were selling it during like the trump times they were selling a kit labara was selling a kit that was so sweet it was based on the club america where it's the continent of north america and that's like baby blue on a pink kit and that has a collar and that one that one works well yeah but um so that was cool and i was like i don't even remember who i bought this from it was like fans posted on twitter and um right and like kits. and that avenue of supporting your own like endeavors like what a cool way to do it. Like what a neat way. And then it lets everybody else kind of buy into what you're doing. Like, mm -hmm. I, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's a, a cool thing at the lower leagues that um, is special. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Madison's still standing out. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, so lastly, I just want to ask, so if you, is there a team or a different sport like you'd like to design for? I know you're, you're working outside of sports, but I'm, clearly you have you know, it's been something that's brought you a lot of joy. So I'm sure it's, you're not done in sports. Yeah, I think the the surprise nature of how much I really enjoy this, like, shocked me as well. And so um, definitely kind of looking to continue um, assisting teams and bringing these to life. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked designing uh so I got to do a couple of baseball uniforms when I was working for the yeah. Mallards. We actually rebranded and those were really cool to do. It would be neat to do some cool like minor league teams and yeah. get a little weird with it. Um, I don't know like if that'll ever happen, but honestly, like my goal with the 
unbelievable like growth and exciting nature of the women's game would mm -hmm. be to, like I said, kind of be the person that is helping these teams connect mm -hmm. with their audience in a way that's different and also yeah. helps their bottom line. Like that would be the dream is like finding a way to build the women's soccer culture in America mm -hmm. um, through kids. So yeah, that's, that would be the goal, the long-term goal. <laughs> that was the perfect synergy. That was like, yeah, yeah clip, let's clip that. Matt, you can clip that part. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah, you know, that's, it was awesome to talk to you, Cassidy. And that clearly, I don't think I've done a show longer than this because just got to dive in on kits, man, soccer, in soccer culture. So thanks for joining. We're, and you're, you're in Utah. You're like out yeah. west. Are you going, I mean, you're somewhere warmer than here. Probably. Yeah, I'm swinging through. I'm actually in Wisconsin right now, swinging through, yeah. visiting my parents for the next two days and then headed out east. So right on. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining. And also speaking of your former employers and I'm sure, you know, your, your club, Madison, this is a women's soccer show, but Madison is playing the loons in an hour at on ESPN plus. I'm going to go, you can go to the black heart. I'm going to be bartending it. So we can see, we can see y'all there. Thank you for joining Cassidy. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Mm -hmm.